What's good, friends? List episode 36 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. There's no doubt about it, cloud gaming is the future of video games. From Project X Cloud to Google Stadia and everything in between, it's only just begun. But are we ready for it in 2020? This week, Mike and I sit down and try to answer that very question. Is Microsoft putting a higher emphasis on cloud gaming than the public is ready for? Will Project Lockhart end up being an xCloud box? Plus, Bungie is removing paid loot boxes from Destiny 2. Kinda. We've got all of this and much more on the newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox and Xbox Game Pass, including news, rumors, and them damn good conversations over them damn good video games. You Wait a minute, wait a minute. What if I want to do the intro for once? I mean, you could do the intro. I mean, I just have never done it. I feel like I feel like you're carrying the squad. I mean, you can go ahead. Go ahead. Is it in the sh- Joining me show? today, as always, my partner in crime, Mike P-Pack. Mike, go ahead and do the intro. I don't, what, I don't have the script. I don't. I don't have a script either. It's off memory now at this point. Uh, okay. No, I, yeah, I was going to say, try, I want to hear your own take on it. All right. And all this right, is right. no, like, sour grape. I just literally want to hear it, because if it sounds better than mine, we may go with yours instead. <laughs> okay. Uh, here we go. Mm-hmm. In three, two. What's going on, Game Pass Gamecast listeners? This is your co-host, Mike P. Pack, starting us off with an intro, uh, a little different than the flavor you might be uh, normally used to. Uh, this is basically a show where we're going to talk to you about all those damn good video games, primarily in the Xbox sphere, but we are going to cross lines because it's our show and we're going to do whatever the hell we want. Joining me as always is going to be the host that usually does this intro, and it's usually a lot more fluid and, and well thought out, but this is off the cuff here, uh, Travis White. Um, basically what we're going to do is we're going to go over some news and some headlines, and then we're going to get into a deeper segment where we're going to kind of, you know, share our own opinions on everything throughout the whole show, but the end is going to be like the creme de la creme of the entire show. But normally what we do in this situation is we kind of ask each other what we're playing, and since I hardly ever get to ask Travis what he's been playing lately, it's going to be my pleasure to bring on my co-host Travis White, a.k.a. Travis. Travis, what have you been playing, my man? Mike, what's going on? It's your boy Travis White, a.k.a. Travis on most internet platforms. That was awesome. That was good. That was much, and I'm not saying this sour grapes. That was much better than I thought it'd be because if that was my first time doing that, I'd be like, (laughs) shout out to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I I just threw it out there. We we just went with it. We went for it. We went for it. I like it. I like it. Anyways, Mike, I've been good and I've been playing a little bit of everything. Um, been playing some Overwatch. The one thing, like I said, and like you said, so eloquent, eloquently, there we go, words, they're tough sometimes, eloquently, in your intro, we primarily stick to Xbox, but it's our show, so guess what, we'll talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about, Um, and we are accepting of all people who game on all platforms, as we always said, we've been doing this now for 36 episodes, if you don't get that by now, then you just aren't going to get it, Um, but keeping in line with that, I... Finally platinumed Uncharted 4, obviously Ooh, a PlayStation okay, game. Okay. That has been, it's one of my top three games of all time. Um, 
that was, and a lot of you guys know too, I put up a tweet a while ago at the beginning of the year, and I've gotten some great feedback from listeners, like, just mostly as a discussion piece, but at the end of the day too, it's an objective list of what I want to do this year in gaming before, outside of, like, outside of all the new games that are coming out, which throws a big wrench into all that, um, but before next-gen consoles come out. So basically, it's just like a little checklist of things I want to make sure I do before the console new console generation starts and this one ends um it's not I, I hate using objective because that has such a negative connotation to it like oh i'm forced to do this it, it's mostly to whenever i get in that mood like man i want to play something but ugh, i don't know what i want to play uh okay i could just pull up this list and be like oh yeah i want to do that i want to do that i said that would be fun to do i i want to play that game so it's kind of been going off of that whenever i get that into that mood um so that was one of the things I wanted to go back and do. But that's PlayStation. That's different conversation for a different time, even though we will talk about it from time to time. Um, but on side of Xbox and PC things, been playing a little bit of Overwatch, gotten back into that recently. Um, fun as hell still. It, it, all I You've heard me talk about it before. Still one of those things that it's just great to pick up and play, that it's easy. It's, it's very... Easy to play, easy to understand, hard to master, um, at least personally, just because there's such a broad range of heroes in different play styles, yada yada. Um, outside of that, too, I've been playing a little bit of The Division 2. Um, jumped back into, I I got, I literally went through maybe 10 levels in, when it dropped in like March. I, it was the first mm-hmm. time I've played a Division game going into that last year when it launched. It's a great game. It just kind of hit at the wrong time where I was feeling other things and ready to play other things and other things were coming out at that point that it was like it came out and just I didn't have the time to invest in a looter shooter like that. Um, But now that, you know, I have a couple of friends at work who play it and different things like that. And it's dirt cheap to get into right now, um, even though I already bought it previously and I got the year one pass with it originally so like I have all this content to play through so I've been thinking about going through and just kind of playing that when I'm you know have some downtime between games like I said the next big game that's coming out obviously Doom Eternal we'll talk about that I'm sure at length at some point um but with that being like the next big game that's coming out between that and then Final Fantasy 7 really there's not too much in between there. I may play Animal Crossing, but once again, that's kind of a time sink. Adam's all in on that, but, um, you know, it that's more of a pick-up-and-play type of thing. I, I'd like to try to jump into that world. And I really love, I think, the third-person shooting mechanics are so tight. Uh, the loot system seems rewarding, even though I'm never, I'm never a big, like, balls deep into, like I said, the minutia of looter shooters. I've never... If I'm going to play a loot grinding game of any sort it's usually a diablo it's usually a you know rpg-esque in terms of the traditional high fantasy or gothic you know yada yada not necessarily uh militant or rpg like that so but love it it's great game i'm really enjoying my time with it i'm excited to jump back into that um molly and i my fiance are planning to hopefully finish we haven't had a chance to play it recently but i'm hoping tonight maybe um that we can jump back and finish up uh life is strange before the storm the little prequel side story before we jump into life is strange 2 um so yeah that's about it on my end mike what have you been playing man how you and then uh, first of all before we should have even even though you jumping in wanted to do the intro kind of threw me off from everything a very, well, a very, very, birthday. very happy birthday. I, I wanted the show to be about me. Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> exactly. Um, Mike is 
what now 22 yeah yeah 22 we'll go with that that's yeah. better than 27 <coughs> whoa whoa who said that adam came back from the dead yeah adam, adam, adam undertaker and... sat up and just was like 27 um no but happy birthday mike everyone make sure whenever this episode drops it'll be a couple days old but make sure you go out there wish him happy birthday give him some sweet nasty love everybody deserves a little bit out on their birthday so but mike what's good what's going on and what have you been playing my friend um i mean everything's coming up millhouse uh <laughs> i got approved for that uh travel grant to the philippines so yes, I'll be congratulations the philippines for thank you i have it program i have it scheduled for like 11 days right now i might extend it to like 15 to 16 days Mm-hmm. Uh, after doing a little bit more research on the trip in general, it looks like there is just so much to do in the Philippines and getting to actually experience it for a length of time. That's going to be sufficient for me to travel to a few different islands because it's kind of like Hawaii. It's an island system mm-hmm. and they have domestic flights that'll tr- like take you an hour and a half to another island or you can ride on the ferries. They have overnight ferries for like $20 USD, mm-hmm. and, but it's like a, it's like a six hour or seven hour trip. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that trip. More importantly, uh, I mean, besides it being my birthday, uh, mm-hmm. the games I've been playing, uh, they kind of shadow dropped Halo 1 on us, which, hey, oh, yeah, um, they did. I, I don't really care. I mean, I'm <clears> enjoying <throat> the fact that they shadow dropped it for me, but um, I've been playing a lot of Halo 1 on PC, uh, just kind of getting back into the doubles uh, sphere and just trying to enjoy it the best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I've been playing NHL, Smite, and I've actually been kind of like deciding on what i was gonna kind of dive into next Mm -hmm. and i think the ori franchise is the one that's gonna get my attention next yeah i think i'm gonna dive into playing some of the ori games so that'll be the next game i dive into um Mm -hmm. but of course finishing doom because we want to do a doom review on that so i'm working on that at my own pace Mm -hmm. but uh once i get closer to the due date uh just like in everything in my life I'll crunch it and get it done, but <laughs> that'll be the next thing I do is Ori for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that, Ori, great game. I'm like literally 90% through Ori and the Blind Forest. Um, I just need to finish it. Literally started it last summer finally and was blown away by it, but just one of those things that something else came out. I think it might have been like Super Mario Maker 2 came out and just was an instant like, well, I'm playing this now. Um, so... I, I, I'm with you, need to go, I need to go back and finish that, so I'm kind of in the same camp as you, excellent, excellent, excellent game, I'm really excited for Will of the Wisp, just because it seems like they've evolved that game more than what you, I could have even thought it could have been, um, so I'm excited to see how that kind of nets out, um, looking forward to that, but uh, yeah, Doom, man, like I keep talking about, we're gonna hopefully do a Doom episode next week, that's the plan, we gotta check with our boy Mike Collins, See if he's able to do that, but the plan is next week to do a traditional, for all you OG fans out there, of the Game Pass Gamecast. You'll remember our review episodes that we do every now and then that were a staple early on. We still do them. We still have plans for them. Don't worry. But you're going to see that hopefully make a return. We're going to kind of go through and set the table for Doom Eternal by going back and looking at Doom 2016. One of my favorite games from this gen, and really I would hate, I would say probably top five all-time first-person shooter campaign um but we'll have to see how that shakes out because i want to go back through it and play it yet again um but excellent excellent game but speaking of doom mike before we get into the news i gotta know are you hyped for doom eternal i sure am i am very hyped for doom eternal i'll be quite honest 
right now, and you know, if you're driving your vehicle right now, if you're if you're an audio listener, because that's really all we have. We are on YouTube, but there's no video with it. Let me let me set the stage for you. If you're driving your car, I want you to pull over on the median. I want you to close your eyes. Yeah, that's right. I said pull over on the median. Just mount the fucking curb in the middle. Go up on there. Close your eyes. Stop traffic right before the Squirrel Hill Tunnel in Pittsburgh. Just sit there. Close your eyes and imagine this. Imagine one, you know, pretty decently out of shape man, but not like overtly fat. I wouldn't think he is. You know, he's a little chunky, but he's not fat. You're just like, oh, that's a that's a dude who likes food, but he's not fat. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. Imagine just that man thinking about Doom Eternal, and you just see from tit high, just glass being cut. When I think about ripping and tearing. So that tells you that I am goddamn hyped. Because plot twist, that man is me. <laughs> I'm fucking hyped for Doom Eternal. So you know we are, and we want to make sure you're in on the action. So we're giving away one free copy of Doom Eternal for Xbox One or PC to one lucky listener. And entering is very easy. I mean, it's fucking really easy. So first thing you got to do, follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Retweet the pinned tweet about the contest on our page, and boom. That is it. You are entered. But if you want to improve your odds of winning, you can get an extra entry by tagging a friend in the tweet about the contest. So then, at least, if you're like me, super unlucky, never fucking win anything. Actually, the one thing I did win, I remember, one thing I did win was this, at this random, like, kind of like town fair type thing I remember back in the day, was with a high school girlfriend at the time, went, won a... Big panther type thing. She didn't want to keep it, so I was stuck with this panther. I remember bringing it home, our dog Murphy, RIP. I remember him, as soon as I brought it home, I left it sitting on the couch. I come back two minutes later, he's humping it. So, that's literally the only time I've won anything, and it ended up in me kind of getting fucked in a weird roundabout way. And not in a good way. So, anyways, if you're unlucky like me, hopefully you have a buddy who wins, and you can mooch off him. Because that's always easy to do. So, I also have a tweet to the contest. A link to the tweet in, to the contest in the description below. So, make sure wherever you're listening to the show, just check down below into the description. Because you'll literally have no excuse to enter then. So, we'll pull a winner next week. You have one week. You have less than a week, actually, since this goes live. You have less than a week. On March 13th, we're going to pull the winner for that episode. So, you got to enter by March, March 12th, 11.59pm. So, basically midnight. 9 p.m. Pacific Coast, If wherever the fuck else you are in the world, figure it out. As long as it's in that parameter at that time, and you're entered, you're golden, golden pony boy. So, head on over to at GPGC Podcast today and enter. You know, I don't want to do the same, like, boring ad read every time or giveaway read. You know, you gotta spice it up because, you know, it, I'm all about getting away from the monotony. You know, you gotta, life's meant to be lived, Mike. You know, it's not, it's not stagnant, you know? Sometimes you just gotta, you know, just gotta be fucking four sheets to the wind or whatever they say. Is that a saying? Is that a saying? I I don't, I don't know. Four sheets to the wind? I don't know. Anyways, Mike, let's head into our, before I fucking take us off the rails, let's head into the news today. First news story, Destiny 2 is getting rid of loot boxes, sort of, sort of. There's a, you know, little hyphen or asterisk, asterisk the word. Yeah, you know, grammar. Anyways, this comes from Zuhad Ali over at the Gaming Post. Link in the description. Make sure you go over there and give him a click. So, 
It reads, Bungie has announced that they will be removing Bright Ingrams, aka their loot boxes, in Destiny 2. This change will occur with the start of the next season, Season of the Worthy. Last week, Luke Smith released a Director's Cut blog post where he talked about the past, present, and future of Destiny 2. Quote, for Season 10, we're doing away with Bright Ingrams as purchasable items. We want players to know what something costs before they buy it. Bright Ingrams don't live up to that principle, so we will no longer be selling them on the Eververse store, though they will still appear on the free track of the Season Pass, says Luke Smith. This doesn't actually mean that Bright Ingrams are getting removed completely in Destiny 2. It looks like players will still be able to unlock Ingrams from Season Pass by simply playing the game. We'll have to wait a little bit more for more details about Bright Ingrams in Destiny 2 in the coming weeks. So, basically, Bungie is technically getting rid of loot boxes in the paid form of, you know, hey, like Overwatch, you... You, you, yeah, if you keep playing games after you get a level, you get a loot box. But if you want, you could just go and you could pay 99 cents and open a loot box. Um, you know, it, same with CSGO, you name it. Any game basically that has multiplayer component, especially one like Destiny 2 now that are free to play, that's how they monetize the game mostly. Um, but they are removing that away. Um, you're still able to unlock them, but literally just from playing the game, comparatively at least. So, Mike, I, my question really is. Do you think as we head into next gen that, and we're already starting to see it, but the battle pass system that was kind of, I would even say revolutionized by Fortnite, really, that's where you saw it kind of take flight and really start to spread into so many other games because of Fortnite successfully doing it at, hey, pay five bucks. You can play for free, no problem, but you can pay five bucks and literally get even more unlockable content at by just playing the game but all you gotta do is five five dollars that's it um you know do you think that system of the battle pass will eventually fully take over you know blind loot boxes due to consumers pretty much calling bullshit on the blind bag approach of years past um i definitely think it's something that we're gonna see for the foreseeable future basically Mm -hmm. you've you've touched on a few reasons as to you know why i think this is going to be something that sticks around but more so it's a very reasonable way for game like game companies and design companies to provide more content at cost for the, you know, the consumer. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit less like there's a lot more like incentive for people to spend less money mm-hmm. on this than just straight up like DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely feels like it doesn't have the same negative connotation as the as like dlc did because basically what game companies were doing is they were releasing unfinished products Mm -hmm. and then charging you for you know a dlc that basically would finish the game yeah so i was i was really happy to see a lot of companies go to this this battle pass system Mm -hmm. and it's a lot cheaper for the consumer to enjoy so Mm -hmm. i definitely think we'll see this this uh battle pass system continue for us it's Mm -hmm. a better way you know, to charge a little by little here and there for people that really enjoy the game and want more content mm-hmm. or want new skins or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like I said, it's just not straight up like a money grab thing. So I like the um, Battle Pass. I hope it sticks around because it's something that I will support for games that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I, I totally agree with that. It, to me, this is the answer to... You know, how there's such a fine line with games, especially like Destiny 2, like Fortnite, like Apex, that 
you look at and you know the developer says okay we put out this free-to-play game it's very successful how do we make money on it but how do we do that in a way that isn't going to scare our consumer base away we don't want to be you don't want to go down the path of the cheap-ass mobile game way. Which, hey, no offense to people who play mobile games or develop mobile games. That's no... Totally understand because you gotta... These are real human beings at the end of the day making this game. You, it's This is a business model that's... It's a business. It's designed to make money. These games are consumer products. At the end of the day, they're toys for all ages. Um, you know, so it, it, they're designed to make money. You gotta make money on it somehow. Um, but it's... If you're taking a free-to-play approach, it's finding that way to skate the line of, okay, you know, we have this game out here, super successful, we gotta make something on it, but we don't want to scare that player base away, or have that stigma of, oh, it's just a monetized piece of shit, or I play, I can play two games a day, and then I gotta wait for six hours. It's like, nah, like, you can find in some mobile games, but, you know, it, I, and I was playing right before you got home, and we started recording, it was one of those things like, oh, I have 20 minutes, like, I'm just kind of sitting here, I already got, like, stuff ready for tomorrow, yada yada, it's like, oh, I have a couple minutes before we start recording, like, I want to play something, I don't want to play a game of Siege, I don't want to necessarily jump into a game of Overwatch, I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna jump into Fortnite, I haven't played it in forever, I'm probably gonna die, but I'll be in and out in two minutes, and, like, at least get to jump in, and it's one of those things that they keep, I may not like Fortnite, I may not like Battle Royales that much, but I respect the hell out of the business model they take in terms of they design it so well in turn Epic designs it so well in terms of here is a triple A hell even quadruple A polished experience of you're getting this what would traditionally be a sixty dollar game for free, but you don't ever have to pay a dime. If you really don't want to, you just want to jump in, cool. By all means, go ahead, and it's playable on every single fucking platform you could think of, and it runs, at minimum, great on every platform. It runs on your fucking phone, it runs on your Switch, it runs on your Xbox, it runs on everything. You know, so it's it's at that point where, okay, I've gotten, you know, there's people who, that's the only game they play, and they've gotten thousands of hours out of it, and they've, maybe they put in 50 bucks, 60 bucks, but at the end of the day, they don't need to, and it's almost at that point of, oh, okay, well, I've gotten 500 hours out of you know, Fortnite this year, yeah, I'll give you 20 bucks or whatever, I'll buy a couple skins, I'll buy this, like, where it's almost a goodwill thing type of thing, from a consumer end of, we see the value in this, we don't mind giving you 20 bucks to keep the lights on, granted, Epic doesn't need 20 bucks to keep the lights on, they're fucking swimming in money, but, point being, it's, it's a much more transparent way, and it's a much more consumer-friendly way that, you know, we're so far past the, when Call of Duty first started doing you know, season passes in terms of map passes and this and that and, and going down the route of pay to like pay to win with a lot of EA games, Ubisoft titles in the early part of last decade. Like it's just we've gone so far past that that consumers are so smart that they grow they've grown up with that knowing, okay, this is a waste of fucking money. And now these people are those kids of that generation are in the position now where they're the ones with the disposable income and they're wanting to keep gaming but they're calling bullshit on a lot of this. Um, so it's it's great to see that, you know, developers are taking that approach of, hey, we know this, we know this model isn't feasible anymore. We're going to go this model of, you pay $5, $10 every 10 weeks or whatever it is, 
you're in, you get all of this and more, and you're going to get your money's worth from playing this time. Like you're going to get from what you put in, from what you put in, you're going to get the most out of that we can offer you. So I think it's really transparent. I think it's really good, but let's move to our next one, Mike. This is a report that we got coming out of Tech Raptor. Um, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft supposedly implicated in Chinese forced labor camps. This is written by Patrick Peralt over at Tech Raptor. As always, link in the description. Let's jump into it. So, Patrick writes, Reports have surfaced and implicated Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft, the three main game console makers, on using what is essentially Chinese slave labor in order to build their consoles and devices. In a newly released Australian Strategic Policy Institute report, the report states that 80,000 Chinese and other ethnic minorities were sent to work in factories across China between 2017 and 2019, with the figure stipulated as, quote, conservative and the actual figure likely to be far higher. The workers also have assigned minors and have limited freedom of movement as well, included constant surveillance, and they are also forbidden from participating in their own religious activities. There isn't much within the actual report about the companies involved in this debacle, just that they are implicated in, quote, directly and indirectly benefiting from the use of workers outside of Yingxiang through potentially abusive labor transfers programs as recently as 2009, which is concerning to say the least. There have been a few statements from the named companies. Apple, who are among the 83 companies named in the report, released a statement, quote, Apple is dedicated to ensuring that everyone in our supply chain is treated with the dignity and respect they deserve, said spokesman Josh Rosenstock. We have not seen the report, but we work closely with all of our suppliers to ensure our high standards are upheld. Overall, the report explores a few solutions, such as China ensuring their own citizens receive, quote, civil, cultural, and labor rights, and to ensure that all of their citizens can, quote, freely determine the terms of their own labor and mobility, basically treating all of their citizens as equal human beings. So, obviously, sweatshops. Not good. Not something you should do. Not something that any business should really partake in. You know, hopefully some rectification can come to the Chinese citizens who were treated this way. But in terms of actually affecting the upcoming console releases for Microsoft, specifically with the show, Mike, do you see this having an effect on the timeline for the Xbox Series X paired with the rising complications even involving the coronavirus. Do you see all of this playing into potentially a delay, a pushback of hell, you know, four to six months? Yeah, so to clear the air, it's Jin, like Jin Zhang is how it's pronounced. Yeah, so that's how it's pronounced, evidently. It's Mandarin, so obviously people who are... uh, who speak English predominantly are normally very poor at Mandarin. It's very difficult to make the sounds appropriate. So. We, yeah, and fun fact, we should definitely get the Invisible Man, John Cena, on this podcast. <laughs> he obviously listens, but he's basically like fluent in Mandarin at this time. I swear to God, like it, he knows Mandarin. He's wow. like, he's like, I, I remember reading something in college about it that he was like the spokesperson for WWE in that part of china with the mandarin people like because he could flu he was like learning how to speak it so he was basically wow. like the liaison for the company um well, so we'll archive that and things i didn't think i would ever hear but right yeah um, you know hey the invisible man you can't see him what a god yeah um anywho uh i do think that this is like this situation not only with 
the potential of these sweatshops existing. I think everyone's aware that whether or not you make jokes about sweatshops, I think everyone knows that labor in China is predominantly cheaper, Mm -hmm. usually have a lot less labor rights uh, to defend the workers. Mm -hmm. Um, There's little to no labor rights for work for employees of companies. So there is potential that this could be the real deal. Like it could be a thing. Mm -hmm. It's not something that like I feel I can make a judgment on because it's something that I've heard has, you know, been the truth or, you know, like it's been the case, but it's not something that I like have actually confirmed. Um, I think this whole, basically for lack of better terms, PR shitstorm for all the companies mm-hmm. plus the spread of the coronavirus. I mean, it, it's no secret what it's done to the stock market in America and ac- around the world since it's now a, a complex global economy. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see a shortage of a lot of things. And these gaming systems might wind up being delayed because there are there there have been shutdowns of all these you know all these manufacturing companies and manufacturing plants in China because they're trying to stifle the growth of the coronavirus and. Mm-hmm the NHL is going to see a potential shortage in their sticks if players break enough sticks because companies like CCM and companies uh, like uh, CCM is one. I don't want to say for sure what another company would be because I, I think warrior actually I'm like, I'm pretty confident that it's warrior. Also Mm -hmm. they make their, they have their sticks predominantly made in China and there's a potential that there's going to be a shortage of those sticks in the NHL because the player or because those factories are shut down right now to stop the spread. Mm-hmm. So I think like if you just take the evidence of other um, manufacturing, um, I guess you could say markets in the region, uh, other things are going to be short because the fact that they're shutting down all these factories. I think that Xboxes, Playstations, things of that nature, basically anything that's manufactured in China is going to be short right now because they are having issues with the spread of the coronavirus and they're shutting down factories because they're trying to prevent the spread of it, which makes sense. Uh, It's Mm going to suck to be just a global citizen, just whether you're purchasing things. I mean, a lot of things you purchase have parts made in China. Mm -hmm. So I think we haven't seen the wide range of effect that it's going to have on us as Americans, Mm -hmm. let alone everyone else as Europeans, Asians, whatever. I think everyone's going to have a, a bit of an issue there. And I don't think the gaming industry is going to be immune to that. I do think we're going to see a problem. Now, granted, if they stifle the spread of coronavirus in China, because they have been a lot stricter on the spread of it, because they've been you know, keeping people home, they've been uh, quarantining people, they've been de- developing tests to test people for this particular you know, strain of infection and virus. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know, there's always a potential that we could see a big change in how whether it's being spread or not so there's a potential that we might not be delayed but i think like right now if you had vegas odds out there which there might be <laughs> i think that you would be a, it would be a favorite to be delayed right now um basically each system would be favored to be de- uh, delayed right now or at least there be an extreme shortage and kind of like the old Xbox 360 when it was released, mm-hmm. there might be a shortage and it might be actually very hard for it, for you to get your hands on it. And people might start reselling them when they get more than one, like they did for the Xbox 360 on eBay when, uh, you know, whatever they, it was at release, I don't really remember. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could Google it, but 
let's say whatever it was at release, it was two or three hundred dollars more on eBay to get one. Mm-hmm. So that might be a situation that occurs too, which by the way, I'm not big on the reselling thing. I will resell tickets if I can't use them. And if the fair market value is higher, I will make the price higher because I see it as like, I'm missing out on that experience, mm-hmm. but I'm not one who would support someone uh, basically getting an extra system or two just to sell because they right. don't want it. And they just want to make the money. You know what I mean? Right. No, a hundred, hundred percent. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and I think that's the more likely thing to happen. And granted at console launches in general, I mean, help look at, um, the Nintendo switch, the most recent formal new console to come out, not in, you know, a half generational step up, like the Xbox one X PS4 pro, what have you, um, a true next console to come out, it faced shortages. I mean, people weren't able to buy you. If you didn't pre-order it, there was a good chance you weren't going to have it for at least a couple of months. Um, you know, so I, I, I think that's going to happen in general. Now, granted, I think it'll be hit a little harder than usual. Uh, but especially it may not be as drastically different given I'm sure, especially on Sony's end, you know, they're probably looking at it as, we got 104 or 106, whatever it is up to now, PlayStation 4s and homes right now. Um, you know, so we could, I, they're in full market control. They, I'm sure are thinking, okay, this time around we are, we feel comfortable manufacturing X amount more PlayStation 5s to release later this year that we could have it launched because people are going to want to buy that. They're going to want to buy the next one. Um, you know, just cause the data shows there are already so many people in this ecosystem, there's a better chance they're going to continue with that. Um, so I could see that, but it may even kind of equal out now Xbox. It's hard to say, you never know just how they're going to, because it's so hard to hand or it's so hard to see. I don't want to say it's hard to see, but it's so different comparative to Sony of how they're handling next gen already with you know hey if, as long as you're playing in the xbox ecosystem you have just as much importance as everyone else um whether you're playing on xbox one the original launch one the xbox one x and xbox one s or our new series x model that's coming out you're in our ecosystem and pc so it's it's more of a platform than a system um so it's weird how they're going to handle that or what their numbers are going to look like in terms of inventory they're shipping out um for sale on day one not sure, but I think it's more of that that we'll see maybe a more limited amount in production because I would imagine production either started or is going to start relatively soon. I would have to think if they're shooting for just throwing a date out there early mid-November, that's when it seems like consoles traditionally launch, at least in the past couple of ones that have lined up with this window, the holiday 2020 window. Um, but a little bit of breaking news just cause it plays into this. Los Angeles, deca- Los Angeles declares state of emergency. E3 team is quote, actively assessing the situation. So GDC canceled or at least postponed, but it's probably canceled. Um, just cause that's such a big thing to try to, you know, go back and do, but let me just read this. This comes an update really to Rebecca Valentine's story over at GameIndustry.biz, but an update to her story by her. 
with the city of Los Angeles having declared a state of emergency today, the ESA has issued a new statement on the situation. Quote, the health and safety of our attendees, exhibitors, partners, and staff is our top priority. While the ESA continues to plan for a safe and successful E3 show June 9th, to June 11th, 2020, we are monitoring and evaluating the situation daily. Um, so that kind of says now, and I, I want to throw this to you, Mike, just as we kind of start to round out news here before we get into our big topic, just because this is, as I said, breaking now. Um, if let me just a gut reaction, because we talked about E3 a lot on the show before. How about this? I throw it out as a statement. I want you to tell me how what you think, if you agree or disagree. If if E3 is canceled, or at least in the sense of it's postponed or whatever, it's restructured because of this, and publishers and hardware manufacturers, PlayStation, uh, well, PlayStation wouldn't be there, but Xbox, Microsoft, um, Nintendo, EA, you name it, these big publishers who were always there and these hardware manufacturers who were there at the actual expo, if they all pull out and they go... Uh, you know, direct Nintendo Direct style. They do pre-canned presentations and whatnot instead. I uh, that kills E3 in terms of I don't think those publishers come back to E3. They see how much money they're saving by being forced to go this route to get their information out, and I think that stops E3 in the sense that it is fully now. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's a fair um, a fair opinion on the situation. Um, I definitely think that we could see the death of E3 with something like this. Now, we knew E3 was in a fragile state. We knew that there were a few um, companies that were kind of going. I think it was more of like a almost like a traditional thing. It was like everyone was kind of wanting to, you know, support something that they had been supporting for it's a long time. It's been a time. staple for 20 years. Exactly. You know, you know like it, it's it's one of those things that, yeah, why wouldn't we go to E3? That's how everyone gets their info. It's it's that it's the Super Bowl of video games for the most part. Um, you know that it's this one staple that is in the gaming eco space every single year at the same time. It is always there. That's where all the big announcements are. It's just how it's always been since you know the late '90s for the most part in terms of. That's where, in traditionally early on, it was you know truly only industry industry members and people were there doing literal like shareholder meeting esque presentations. Now it's pomp and circumstance. It's now all streamed yada yada. But you know, it, it's always been a tradition. You're right. It's it's it had that mindset. But now Nintendo out here doing their Nintendo directs, doing their you know, hey, let's show a pre can thing. Why would we spend you know? Why would we rent out, pay, you know, I'm sure thousands and thousands of dollars to rent out a hall or a theater in L.A. at the convention center where they're the real ones who are kind of screwing everyone over because they keep jacking prices up. Why would we spend all that money to do that when we can literally in Redmond, Washington, sit there, record this in our own studio and put it out for fucking nothing? And we can get even more buzz over that. Everyone can see it. Everyone will have it. People, the media members who need to know ahead of time to make sure press releases or like uh, news articles are out and everything like that, they'll know. We don't have to keep everyone in, you know, it, it, nobody needs war rooms necessarily. We can just literally, you'll know ahead of time. We'll have this all here and we'll save millions of dollars 
probably at the end of the day, after, you know, shipping everything out and whatnot, save all that money that we could put back into our games. Right, and, exactly. Or pay more people. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I just think this, if that happens, if the coronavirus, which obviously I believe in science, I'm not an idiot. I'm, I'm in the camp of you take precaution when needed by all means. It, it, who knows if it will be blown out? Who, who the hell knows? But I'm always one to say, I, I don't understand it enough that I'm going to let the people who do, who do this for a living, who are experts in that field, they make the best judgment call. And the best judgment call is to be in the state of emergency for the city of Los Angeles. But so mean, by all means, fucking cancel E3 then. And at that point, I think that kills, I think that kills any inclination of those publishers coming back and those entities coming back. No, I definitely think, I think you're spot on there. I think once you make a switch like that out of necessity, Mm -hmm. I think it'll be very difficult for companies to get back and, you know, make a reason to go to something like E3, especially like you said, Mm -hmm. when they realize what all else they can do with the money. Now I'm sure that these companies have crunched these numbers before Mm -hmm. and they're aware of the amount of money they spend when they go to E3. And this feels like it could be the last little, you know, piece of whatever you want to call it, whatever shred of like whatever thread, I guess we could call was holding E3 together. It definitely feels like the coronavirus could be the last thing that would really, um, you know, just kind of break it down and, e3 would be no more because not only would it then make business sense but now they've done it they've realized that they're not missing a ton from you know going a different direction and they realize that they're just going to save a ton of money and they can use that money elsewhere i 100 percent agree with you i think that it, it would make business sense i hope that companies kind of put business sense aside and they go back to going back to e3 but again I wouldn't, if I was a betting man, which I am, I would bet that if E3 were to die, we wouldn't see it come back ever again. Um, And that's not because E3 is not useful or anything. It's just because I think companies would realize that they were wasting money in the first place and they could have been saving it. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. I'm, I'm all with you. So it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. Who knows? They may, they may be able to get some kind of vaccination for this in a you know time frame that is logical to continue the show and you know E3 goes on as it is but i think if i think if publishers and entities see how much they're saving right now like at the end of the day for this you know i just i just i don't know i i just can't see them going back it, it's just they'll see how much money they save and i don't think E3 will die I think E3 of what it is now will die. And I think E3 will just become a new PAX, will become a new Comic-Con-esque event for gaming. And I think it will just be a fan event, which is great. I would still want to go. So it's, you know, I'm I'm for sure, I'm definitely going to be monitoring that very close. I'm really interested. So, uh, Mike, let's head into the main big topic of our show. And I want to talk about cloud gaming and kind of the future of cloud gaming this year. Um just or the future of it really moving into next gen i i I think there's a really big cloud 
over it right now. No pun. In, well, I guess fucking pun. Yeah, pun intended. Um, so yeah. kind of as we get closer and closer to the launch of next gen, you know, more details on features and reasons why to invest in said con- new consoles are tossed around. You know, one of one that seems to be really the consensus across the board in some fashion or another is cloud gaming. On one hand, it's a no-brainer, with humans becoming more and more mobile and on the move with their lives than ever before, jobs, uh, you know, travel, whatnot. Having the ability to both take your entertainment and, in this case, gaming needs or wants with you on multiple different formats is very tempting. But at the same time, it has the potential to section off a portion of your consumer base that still traditionally plays in front of a TV, whether the game is digitally downloaded or bought physically. So today I kind of want to talk about the feasibility, I guess, of cloud gaming right now, what both the short-term and long-term futures look like for it, and where Microsoft and Xbox kind of shakes out with this when the dust settles. So kind of just to kick off the conversation, Mike, you know, first off, what's your experience with cloud gaming? If you have any, have you streamed any games, whether that's Steam, you know, xCloud, whatever, you know, what have you. If you haven't, what makes you shy away from utilizing them compared to playing on traditional hardware? So what's your experience, I guess, with cloud gaming in general? So I'm relatively um, unfamiliar with it just because I know what it is, but I just haven't utilized the technology at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, not for, like, lack of wanting to, like, or... Basically, like I have wanted to try it at least, but again, at the end of the day, I'm someone who didn't really mobile game at any point in time in my life because I more preferred a, you know, a console or a desktop experience because I like when games run efficiently. I like games that are competitive or whatever. It's just something to, that I've always wanted to you know have the most reliable way of playing a game and it does feel like cloud gaming could be somewhat unreliable because you know at some point there could be connection issues that would make the streaming of the game not work as well Mm -hmm. however i will say with the size of video games coming out and the lack of hard drive space on home consoles and things of that nature i do believe that we could see cloud gaming as long as it is expanded correctly uh the technology has worked out appropriately and it's more reliable it's something that i think is going to grow and i think people are going to get used to it because it's going to be able to prevent them from having to you know fumble around and juggle what games are on their hard drive or what's on their hard drive or how much space do they need to delete for this update for call of duty like all that stuff's just going to be something of the past it feels like Mm -hmm. and i'm excited for it but it's just something that i've never really utilized yet yeah i'm kind of for the most part i'm i'm in the same boat of I don't have a, I don't want to say a ton of experience, but I have some. Um, I've tried pretty much every, every style of it or every, I guess, avenue of it so far, at least, um, that's available right now in some capacity. I got invited to the closed beta for Project X Cloud. Absolutely loved it. Didn't utilize it that much, but that's just because I'm, I'm more of a traditional gamer still. Um, there's not many things that I, choose to stream or whatnot just because i like i don't i like watching movies in a movie theater i don't watch a ton of movies at home i like going out to a movie theater watching them i don't watch a ton of i don't binge watch a lot of tv shows i just would rather play a video game instead um you know and luckily my fiance likes that i want to do that like she can see i'm passionate about that so like i just don't do a lot of that 
stuff. So I'd rather play a video game. And when we do that, it's traditionally just in front of a TV or handheld or whatever. But I have been using it more just because of, you know, work and the whether I'm staying over at her house one night or whatnot. Like, I don't need to drag. Sometimes I don't want to drag my PS4 over if it's something we're not both going to play or she's watching American Idol or something. And I don't necessarily want to watch that. Right now, I could use Project X Club, which I've done before. It's great. Runs great. I've also used Remote Play for PlayStation. I've used PS Now. Was not great, but I've heard it's gotten a lot better since I used it, and that was before Red Dead 2 launched, just because I wanted to, for some reason, my Red Dead 1 disc wasn't working, and I wanted to replay it before Red Dead 2 came out, so... Before I went out and just bought a new one for Xbox, I tried PS Now because it was on there and it would just did not run well. So, but I remote play I've used when I was playing Death Stranding and when I was working on my Uncharted 4 Platinum even, I've used it that way. Um, I've used Steam streaming. That's hit or miss. If I have a wired connection, obviously, it does a lot better. Um, but that's just par for the course for everything. But, you know, playing a game like The Witcher 3 on Steam's cloud streaming service it's it's interesting um it works well but it's just designed for smaller experiences right now but i think now that people are seeing it's more the companies like google and um amazon and these entities that are going to be hey cloud gaming is just literally all we do that's the only thing you never have to buy a console with us. You just have to buy a subscription or something like that. Whereas literally, truly the Netflix of gaming in a sense, only you've got to still buy the fucking games, which I think is asinine, but that's a different conversation. Um, you know, it, it's just at that point where it's, it's just hard to ignore. And I think that's, you're going to see PlayStation get in that ecosystem. You're going to see Microsoft take a bigger stab at this, which we'll kind of talk about later, but I'm one of those people that I see the allure and I've tried it. And I don't think it's bad. I just don't think we're there yet. Um, but I still do like it. It's weird. It's like it's like your relationship status on Facebook when you put it. It's complicated. Granted, nobody fucking does that. Um, but <laughs> point being, it's there. If I was going to put a tag on it, you know, it's complicated. So, uh, you know, so Mike, while I'm kind of moving on a little bit. While PC gaming really has rebounded this past decade, uh, after kind of being like, a lot of people are like, ah, PC gaming's kind of dead, it's niche, consoles are just taking over, yada yada, you know, PC gaming has found its resurgence, especially, like I said, the last decade, and especially really the last half of the decade, you know, it's pushed console gaming to its limits, period, and it's really introduced casual gamers to the idea of scalability in most titles, which is traditionally a staple in PC gaming. Do you think cloud gaming begins to solve that, whether it's through Project X Cloud using a custom-built Xbox One and even higher moving forward and streaming it from that, you know, NVIDIA GeForce's streaming service that they just announced, or even Google Stadia, which sucks right now, but Google has a lot of money and they can fix it, using high-end gaming PCs basically to play your technology off of that you don't need to own. Um, do you think, you know, that's going to push that forward or will console gaming really just by itself start to open those accessibility features from your home, you know, in that box that is sitting in your home? Do you think that's just going to be the standard moving forward and console games are just, you know, more developers are going to open those options up naturally for people? 
I definitely like to see. I would so. I would definitely like to see um, Xbox, Xbox One at Series X and the PlayStation Five kind of give the gamer a little bit more control over their experience in general. I know it's more streamlined on consoles and it's more like one experience fits all, which is great, but I think you should be able to give your players the options of, you know, whether it be what resolution scale they want to play in or what settings they have the video settings on, like have it default to super high or like um, ultra or whatever, whatever is your max, Mm -hmm. but then give people the ability to, make changes for just the straight up um, performance of the game in general and the system. Like I know that the system's going to be amazing and I know it's going to be able to output some great experiences, but give me the option of turning settings down. If I want a little bit more, like a little bit higher frames and a little bit more stability, because we know that whenever you have your graphical settings turned up very high, um, if you, get into an intense situation at times you can experience a lot of you know drop off and those huge fluctuations in fps can ex- like can negatively affect um the experience um so i think giving more players the capability to make changes and customizations to the game is always the best policy and i would like to see games definitely take that switch and it does feel like, you know, bringing it back to the X cloud and just cloud gaming in general, it does feel like it would almost be a necessity for cloud gaming because you're not going to always have, you know, the most reliable internet or some people might have less reliable internet than another person. So giving them the capabilities of turning certain settings down to make the performance better of the cloud gaming in general mm-hmm. seems like it would be the best thing for everybody involved. So not only should I think consoles give people a little bit more creativity and a little bit more control, I would love to see, you know, because of the um, cloud gaming, I would love to see them kind of, you know, give us that capability with the X cloud coming and just in general. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I, I, it's almost, it's just too logical at this point. And it kind of even goes back to what we were saying about, you know, microtransactions and going the season or the battle pass method of, you know, people just are like, I don't want to say tired of the bullshit, but they just know people are so in tune with what goes on in the games industry now just one because of social media and the internet age of always being connected and the news cycle being 24 seven to people just naturally wanting to know more and having more accessibility to knowing more. It's just at this point now that people just know what's going on that they know that certain things are, you know, scaled down for consoles and PC players have, they can go right into their settings and change graphical settings to get the most FPS and play it at whatever scale you want it just goes back into scalability that i think people are just so ready for that and you know i always i always think of you whenever we talk about this and your experience right off the bat with modern warfare early or late last year that at launch you know you're getting in you're playing it on your launch for all intents and purposes your launch xbox one that it's just not built for that it's they didn't design they didn't develop that and design that game with original hardware in mind it's it was more focused on okay this is for we're building this game for xbox one x not necessarily xbox one s or xbox one like there's i always think about that where it's like you're you're closing off 
a demographic of your your audience that you know you got to imagine that take for example just because we don't know hard numbers on the Xbox One on how many how many units it sold lifetime. Let's look at PlayStation. PlayStation has 10406 PlayStation 4s of whatever caliber out in the wild. You got to think a lot of those, a lot of those are either the original launch PlayStation 4 or the slim PlayStation 4, the entry level right. model. So you're going to tell me that let's just say half at least and I think that I think it's more than half. Half of those people you're going to just cut that, you know, demographic off. You're going to you're going to cut that number in half and say, "Oh no, we're appealing to, you know, instead of let's look at 100% of the audience, let's look at well, we want to focus on these 50 because, you know, maybe Sony wants us to we have a marketing deal with Sony and we they want to push PlayStation 4 Pro models, which I get. But you would make more money knowing that it's built on this hardware minimum. And I even think of too how Riot Games, for as for as much of a shitstorm as they've had and put themselves in the past, you know, year or so, with all the you know, um, you know, sexual harassment and whatnot, you know, all of that, those issues, take that out. But look at how they presented Valorant. You know, they've said we're building this that. Decade-old technology, decade-old PCs will, at bare minimum, they'll be able to get 30 frames per second, no matter what. Like, we're building it for that, that it is playable, that you can play this game no matter what you have, that you can go out and spend 100 bucks to get a shitty PC and still be able to play it in a decent state, as you would play on a console. You know, like, that's how game development should be made, and that's that PC thing that I think cloud gaming is trying to solve, which, to me, makes it alluring. That if I, you know, if I don't say I'm, you know, take, for example, your brother who is, you know, what, oh, like eight years older than us. He has a family mm-hmm. now. He has a kid, you know, say he doesn't necessarily think, ah, maybe I don't want to invest in, you know, the $500, $600 Xbox One or Xbox Series X at launch. You know, maybe I don't want to do that. Oh, there's an option that I can get in for Project X Cloud and I could pay you know, what, what is it? 20 bucks a month or whatever, say like, who knows? I don't know how much they're going to charge for it, but say it's 10 to $20 a month. Well, I can get in for that. And when I want to play, I could technically, if I want to play on the best hardware possible, it's just streamed. I don't physically have it, you know, but I'm bought into it that I can still do it. And that solves my issues instead of, you know, necessarily dedicating that much where if I get in and say my Xbox one, that he has doesn't hold up that long. Well, it's like, I don't have that much time to game anymore and this and that you get what I'm saying. That it's like, I think that's where cloud gaming does solve that gap, but you know, it's, and it kind of leads into my next thing and I'll just kind of roll into it right now. You know, you know, 5g is still not the norm. Um, you know, most areas in the U S don't for internet don't have above like 10 megabytes a second download like as it is like and let alone the advancing you know one gigabyte found in major metro areas like kyle our producer that we like to call him kyle the producer out in philadelphia has one gig down like speeds and he's able to download massive games these you know new triple a titles in like five minutes tops like it's just not the infrastructure for the majority of the country is not there for this and cloud gaming relies on that so much. So 
is the infrastructure make it even possible for cloud gaming to enter the home in a major way in 2020, like we're talking about. We keep talking about how cloud gaming is now here almost at this point, but are we ready for cloud gaming, I guess? Is casual consumer ready to just walk in? Anybody from, you know, middle of Iowa to, you know, the Alaska. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, right? are we ready for that as a whole yet? Uh. I feel like this is an appropriate time to say, I done told you I work out of the home. <laughs> but Shout out to Aqua I, Teen, man. I definitely don't think that America for sure can handle this switch to cloud gaming. Mm-hmm. There are certain cities, um, you know, more urban areas that can definitely handle it. But by and large, across the countryside, there's a lot of people that are going to be left out in the cold. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this on previous um, episodes, so I'm not going to, I'm going to keep it a little short here. Basically, what I'll say is, I definitely think that the infrastructure or lack thereof of a quality infrastructure is going to be a huge barrier at the spread of cloud gaming to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's something that as a gamers, we're going to have to overcome and you're either going to have to push a move to an urban area if you want better internet speeds, which is what people have had to do over the past, or just be very patient as you wait because it's taking a long time for fiber and things of that nature to get out to the more rural areas. Mm -hmm. And even where we live, I mean, we don't live that rural. I mean, we're like 40 minutes outside of Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's not the biggest city, but our internet choices out here are horrible. So I think by and large, we're all going to be kind of up a Creek without a paddle because the majority of the population lives. There is a majority of population that lives inside the urban cities. We see that with popular votes with the presidency. We see that there can be situations where someone would win, but they lose the popular vote Mm -hmm. that happened in the most recent election because the genuine or a lot of the population is in um, the urban areas, but there are still a ton of people out there that are in Uh, rural areas and it feels like it's going to affect that um demographic more Mm -hmm. because basically what you're thinking or what i'm thinking of here is people who live out by themselves have a lot less interaction you live in a city you have a ton of stuff that you're able to do right there's a ton of more opportunities for you and way better or not better ways to spend your time, but there's more ways to spend your time. And then Whereas there's us. You, we're out in the yeah. fucking boonies. All we got to do is we can just fucking go outside, hit a couple of sticks together. Oh, or we can sit inside and play video games. Right. So you get what I'm, I'm being extreme, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Basically, like, you're looking at a situation where people are going to, in especially in rural areas, you want to spend time playing um video games because there's a lot less for you to do Mm -hmm. no definitely it's it's it just boggles my mind how and like i said maybe it's because we're outside of that ecosystem right now of like producer kyle is able to he's able to download games at a gig per second like it's it's at that speed where he doesn't have to worry about that he he has what the best internet possible is right now for the most part at least uh in our country that it just like even for example up until a couple of a handful of years ago my grandma was literally only able to get dial-up internet period like in and we're talking in the 2010s like what the fuck 
Like, how, like, technology's trying to, I think, move past what our infrastructure is ready for yet. Um, or if that's the case, like, the infrastructure needs to catch up, but who knows if it's able to. It's, it's just such a big question that, you know, 5G is not the norm still. Like, they're pushing 5G, but 5G is not the norm. Not everybody can get that. Like, yes, dense areas can, but population may be there, but the area is still a massive, our country is so massive that it's, that still was exiling so many people in so many places across the country. And I'm not even, at this point, I'm not even talking video games. I'm talking health, it affects healthcare, it affects communication, it affects all these other things that I think you're exiling so many people that way. But in terms of gaming, like, I just think, I just, I, I hope I'm wrong. And it seems like Microsoft is doing great things. And I mean, great things on their end to be able to put, Project X Cloud in the proper path to have success all around, or at least the best possible experience for no matter what you have. That they're, the tech on their end is the best possible way for you to have the best connection on their end. That it still puts, you know, you still have to have a legitimately decent connection to be able to stream games and download these games and yada yada. But at least on their end, they're putting, they're trying to appeal to in what they're keep talking about. They just want people to be able to get into their ecosystem, no matter how they're playing. So they're putting the onus on no matter what, we just want you to have a good experience bar none on this. So at least on their back end, they're positioning it right. But it's just really interesting to see how this is going to be handled, you know, say three years from now, whenever we're fully in the next generation of consoles, and where's that go? Like, where, where, where's that? Uh, where's Project X Cloud at? Where is, you know, Steam's new streaming service? Where, because they'll have one. Where, where is Google Stadia still a thing? Was it able to survive? Was it able to thrive now that potentially everyone has better internet connection, or at least the infrastructure is there to be able to have a better internet, better internet connection? On top of that, too, we didn't even talk about, you know, uh, your ISPs. They're data capping people. It's not it, it's not a small amount of data that it takes to stream games. Like people have data caps. They're gonna hit that fucking quick. Like you, you get what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. It's definitely something that you know. As long as most ISPs won't really bug you unless you hit over a certain amount. But let's talk about like me where I live. I have hit. 600 gigabytes in a month which isn't really all that much if you're streaming videos and and whatever else you're doing Mm -hmm. plus pitch in streaming a couple of days using a lot of upload bandwidth that way when you're streaming like you are gonna hit these these limits there are gonna you know you're gonna get letters from your isp saying like you know you use too much internet stop using as much and it's like bro what do i pay for and it's it's gonna be an issue that you know, it's really, it really should be illegal that your bandwidth's limited. Like there should never be a limit to your bandwidth because you're paying for a service at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And it's not really, it might be in the fine print when they set you up, but it should be pretty point blank. Like basically you should tell, tell them that like, or you should be told when you're signing up for the service, like this is your data cap. Like this is what you have, like the internet or like the uh, cell phone providers used to do when there were a lot of limited data. Like you get two gigs, that's it. Like ISPs don't really tell you that. They wait till you get so far, and then they start doing like Comcast in this area. Since they have my area in particular blocked out, they're hell for like just rolling blackouts. 
like 1.30 p.m., I'll be watching something on Netflix and the internet just stops and everything just stops. And it's like, what the hell? And like, I'll even like, it's happened to me on stream sometimes. Like I'll be streaming and then my internet just cuts out for like, eh, like two minutes. And mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like a big deal to them because if no one's on in this area and they just do a rolling blackout, two minutes of internet, sa- like of bandwidth save for them is worth the, the risk of people being upset. But like, I can't do anything about it. If I go to Comcast and say, what the hell, you know, I'm getting hit with these rolling blackouts. What's going on? They're mm-hmm. just going to say, well, okay, we'll find another ISP. And I'm going to be like, well, you have the area blocked off. And they're like, I know. And you're just like, well, <laughs> fuck. I'm, okay. Monopoly, you know, right. This is the type of shit that the government's supposed to protect you from. And I don't want to get political on the entire, the entire podcast ever. There, this isn't right. a place to talk politics, but it feels like a, a situation where the government's kind of supposed to protect you. And you know, Democrat, Republican, whatever your leaning is, it just feels like we aren't we aren't being protected from this kind of bullshit, basically. Right. No, totally agree. I think that's a excellent way. And it's to- it's not even like you can say co- competition makes perfect for everyone. Like competition is the best thing. Like, sure, I agree. Like, y- there should be competition, but when an ISP has an area blocked out, that's not an option. You can't use competition right. to protect yourself. Hundred percent. Inner cities, urban areas like Pittsburgh, you can go to Verizon, you can go to Comcast. In different cities, there's different providers, but where we live, we don't have that option to just use competition to check their them on their bullshit, basically. Mm-hmm. No, totally agree. I think that's an excellent, excellent way to cap off that portion of the conversation. I, to, I could, I, you said it best. I literally can't even respond to it. Um, totally agree. So, it kind of, kind of transitioning to more of microsoft specific i guess um you know we continuously hear rumblings that microsoft is going to sell two SKUs at launch this fall when they kick off next the next gen project scarlet now the xbox series x which will be the beefy big dick swing in box that is going to do have scale up to 8k and do 4k 60 and blah 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 like great and then also Project Lockhart, which is supposed to be more value-friendly, an entry-level box for the gamer in your life. Would you be shocked if Lockhart is revealed, say, at, well, when I was kind of putting these questions together, I was like, say at E3 this year. Fuck, we probably may not see it at E3, at least in a, you know, live sense. Um, you know, say at E3 they revealed this year. And it's the equivalent of a Chromecast or Apple TV or i.e. streaming box for Project X Cloud or a streaming version of Game Pass. You know, would you be shocked by that? Does it that have an audience in 2020 on a mass consumer level? Would people be willing to go out and say, forego that or forego a the Xbox Series X or a traditional console to even if it is a smaller audience, do you think there's going to be that audience that just says, no, I just want a little stick that plugs into the back of my TV or a tiny box that i don't have to buy game discs for i just pay 20 bucks a month and i can stream whatever game i want there might be so this is like you remember like as a kid because our parents weren't really good with technology and they're still not very good with technology even though your dad did hit me with the happy birthday mike on facebook which i was proud of rich for in and all I'll let caps him know that when i respond yes yeah and I'll, him, <laughs> and I'll let him know that i'm proud of him but basically um do you remember like being a kid, like you would tell your parents you want something hip and cool yeah. and hip and cool. I'm using is just like an example for literally anything. That's not what old people, like if I told my parents to go buy me a record, they would get the right one. But right. if I told them to buy me a CD, they had no fucking clue. Like what, what was going on? <laughs> like, 
do you remember how like your parents would get you the wrong thing and you'd oh, be yeah. like, oh this is this is great right. thank you and you would just do it through your teeth because like as a little kid you got to the age where you know you're being a spoiled brat if you cry about it but at the same time you want to be like you didn't get me the wrong or you didn't even get me the right thing uh-huh. like that's like the type of parent that i see getting this <laughs> this system yeah that's oh yeah the case. but again not only those types of people that are just going to like be like oh like this xbox is 300 dollars less and we have high speed internet who cares like little johnny won't notice and it'll be the same thing like yeah. i see that being a, a nice thing for parents that want to save money and might not be able to afford the full system because don't get me wrong like i'm not in a position that i have children that i could even relate to that right i'm sure there's people out there that have that problem which you know good good for you you're providing what you can for your kid and the necessities is much more important than video games and things of that nature and again we're not going to get into the whole income inequality like we're not talking about politics on this show it'll never happen even though this almost leads you like walks you in by the hand to talk about politics yeah this just is never going to be a show about that and i'm so thankful that both of us feel that way about it Mm -hmm. but it definitely feels like if someone is budget friendly or budget like budget conscience, it definitely seems like it would be something that someone w- could go for because if you're just looking to save money and still get a pretty solid experience, if you're not a hardcore enthusiast, mm-hmm. it does seem like a reasonable uh, avenue to take if you have a reliable internet source and you don't really care so much about having the best gaming experience. You just kind of want to be sat at the table. Mm-hmm. It seems like something that would be reasonable for people to enjoy. Yeah. No, I totally wouldn't be shocked if they came out and said having basically especially right now too you got to think with them as we've been saying you know their thing is more just getting people into their ecosystem and with them coming out and saying oh the xbox one is still going to be a viable option in 2020 and beyond at least for the time being you know that does leave the okay well they don't necessarily need to have a you know the xbox xbox one x kicks a lot of ass currently like right it's the it's the beefiest console that's on the market now is the xbox series x double the power in that absolutely but there doesn't necessarily need to be something right in between there because there's already such a broad spectrum of what's available now that if they came out and just said we're releasing a streaming box basically for all intents and purposes that wouldn't blow me away like that that'd be like okay that makes sense like that covers that literally covers such a broad spectrum of people that i mean you're already seeing google stadia there you if you have a chromecast ultra you're able to stream google stadia games on there and play them bar none like period you could do that um at least i think you can at this point i know you that's part of the pitch i don't know if they released that part yet but i would imagine um i know they were releasing that part but who the fuck knows google stadia is just in a bad state um <laughs> but it, it just wouldn't shock me like it just seems like it makes so much sense that that would literally have every corner of the market covered for them for at least a short-term aspect um you know for the next three years i would say because they'll probably still be selling xbox ones to a degree for at least another year and a half two years i would say um, right at least as that entry-level model from in terms of the xbox one x um they'd be selling that but it wouldn't shock me it, it definitely definitely wouldn't shock me um so just kind of kind of rounding off the conversation mike 
I want to read a quote from Phil Spencer from a recent sit-down that he had with Insomniac CEO Ted Price that we talked about last week a little bit with one of our news articles where he was speaking on getting past the hurdles of developing games for multiple devices or Mm -hmm. multiple levels of device. So Phil says, once you get through the pragmatics of making a game playable on multiple screen sizes, then you get to... And then you get to the promise, Spencer said. You start talking about, well, wait a minute. Now, if my game isn't just dependent on the one piece of hardware that someone maybe bought five years ago in the home, but actually something that a large cloud provider is updating on the back end and is scalable, then what can I do with our games? You know, that's a very cool future up and down. How do we scale the cloud computer to the creative experience that somebody wants to deliver? So, I ask this, does Microsoft ever get to a point in their participation in the gaming medium where they start specifically developing games with streaming in mind first and foremost? Or is that still pie in the sky, a pipe dream, you know, millions of miles away still? Um, Do we see that mindset of, you know, we're going to primarily see this game be streamed compared to being bought in store? We're developing that with you know, this game with that in mind. Yeah, I... So, or at least in the quote-unquote short term, talking five years, say. Yeah, this is something that, like, I've been kind of beating this uh, beating this uh, drum for a few weeks on the show, basically asking for customization whenever it comes to my particular experience with certain games on Xbox. Mm-hmm. It definitely feels like the... Um, like the cloud would be a good excuse to give developers a reason to allow me to select what I want. Like, even if it's not like going like a game, like counter-strike global offensive, like even if I had a beefy computer, I go in and I turn everything down to low because I want the most like static. Like I want my FPS to be high and I want it to maintain a high level of FPS. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's my particular experience. Like even if I'm enjoying it from a casual standpoint, which I don't know if casual gaming like exists to me, mm-hmm. even at 27, I have a really hard time not trying to win at everything I do. So it's something that like as a competitive gamer and as someone who enjoys like having a competitive experience, being able to customize controls or customize uh, the video settings and making things run more consistently, that's much more appealing to me than a beautiful experience, mm-hmm. at least when it comes to certain types of games. If it's not, I don't think it's as hard as Phil Spencer is. I think consoles are getting so much closer to PCs Mm -hmm. that at some point in time, maybe not this generation, but like you said, in five years in the next generation, a company could make a game that would run on a PC that'll run on your Xbox. And on the PC, you'll have the option to go like ultra high, medium, low, very low, turn off shaders, like all that kind of stuff. But on Mm -hmm. the Xbox, you would only have like the option to be like, high or have like cinematic or performance you know what i mean like there would be two options and those are the only two i would be completely fine if that was the case maybe don't give me all these millions of options that like the normal person is not going to care about but at least give me the option to select performance and then from there maybe be like how like maybe if once i select performance it opens a new menu that lets me kind of turn certain things off to see Mm -hmm. how it works versus like 
just throwing some casual player in there and then giving them a million options. Like that doesn't help anyone. Mm -hmm. Just give me the option to turn it on performance. Once we go to performance, then I can change, you know, what settings I want from there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, as much as I'm saying, Oh, we're not ready for this. It's going to happen no matter what. I mean, we can sit here and say, Oh yeah, we're not ready. The infrastructure's not there. The, the, um, you know, the download speeds aren't there. The, the availability of it for the majority of the country, I guess, in terms of land space is not there, yada, yada. It's happening one way or another. They've already started moving in that direction. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen sooner or later. And it's going to happen to a point where we get a game like a Fortnite, a Call of Duty, maybe not the traditional, maybe it's not the, you know, uh, mainline entry in Call of Duty, but it may be you know, a side story type thing where they put just as much resources into it or, a, you know, a product that lives alongside that that's maybe a multiplayer component. Well, maybe not multiplayer component because that'd be, I don't, I don't think that would, that just would not work overall for streaming. But say it's, or even this, say Call of Duty gets to a point where it goes free to play and where you're in this style, like a Fortnite, where you're buying a battle pass and that's how you pay for it. The install base is so huge, yada, yada, that they say, okay, well, we are going to develop a single player component to it, but you could stream it. It's only available on streaming services or something like that. I don't think that's that radical to think about in five years. I don't think by the time we're halfway through this console generation, that's not a pipe dream, a pie in the sky type thing. Um, but it would have to be, I, I just, I don't think we'll ever get to the point, at least in the next 10 years, where a blizzard, a riot, a insert, a valve, where they feel competent and comfortable enough that they can produce and put out a product that's multiplayer heavy, where the main focus is multiplayer, and just stream it. There's no way. Like, there, it just, right. the latency would be too much of an issue. The Anything involving the like tick rate and stuff like that. Like it's just, there's no, there's just no way that that would make sense. I don't know. That's just me, but I just can't ever say, I could see single player content for sure. Cause it's just going to happen. We're going to get to a point where, you know, we saw this generation. It's everyone's moving from physical to digital, which is fine. That makes sense because it's cheaper to do that. It gives developers more money in their pockets compared to, you know, the cost of producing a disc and yada yada. And it's it's just becoming more convenient for the consumer at the end of the day too. Like I said, you can get you can get price cuts on games a lot quicker. Now granted, price cuts in physical are starting to happen more because that market's down, so you're seeing more games drop a little bit quicker. But being readily available, consumers are ready for that and it's almost the you know, because of Amazon and shopping means like that, that just people are just ready for that. It's eventually going to be the next thing where streaming is just it. That's what it is. Streaming's right there. That's the main thing that you do for it. And it's inevitable. I mean, that's just, and hopefully the technology is when we get to that point where people are clamoring for that, it's ready to go and people are able to do it seamlessly. But I, I just, I just think, I think we're taking, it's like, it's like one step forward, two steps back, or even, even in a positive manner, we're taking two steps forward, one step back where it's like, 
we're pushing out this content, but it just may not be there yet. We're just, I think, getting a little too antsy. If that's even the right way to put it. I don't fucking know. I just want to play video games. I just want video games to be whenever you or I or whoever start up a game, it works. doesn't matter how you get it. And people aren't getting fucked over on the back end because of it. And the consumers aren't getting fucked over either. People are just able to play video games. You know, it doesn't matter how you get them. um, Just as long as you're able to play them and you're able to play them in the right way. Um, And I just, I just don't want to see, cloud gaming excites me as kind of, I don't want to say I'm negative, but I'm more glass half empty right at this point, I guess, with cloud gaming being shoved down our throats. At the same time, I'm very excited about the future of it because it's going it's going to get to a point where when the next Halo or the next PlayStation side, the next Uncharted, whatever comes out, I have the PlayStation app and I can just pull it up at some point. And then, you know, if I got to worry about, oh, you know, I got to take little Johnny at that point, Travis Jr. God forbid. I don't want to know what that fucking kid looks like. Got to take Travis Jr. to T-ball practice. And, you know, and we're in a rain delay. If he wants to play or I want to play, we want to play whatever together. We could just pull up the PlayStation, Xbox app, whatever on our phone. And boom, we're both in there playing together. And it's seamless. Like we're going to get to a point like that. And that's fucking awesome because it's just seamless. Everything works. But I think people are just, thinking that's a lot closer than it is. And I think it's almost like a reality check people need to have with it that that shouldn't give false hope to, or you shouldn't have false hope with that, that that's going to be like turning around and it's going to happen this instant or within the next two years that that's all we're going to be doing. I just don't think that's going to happen. So, cloud gaming, Mike. Cloud gaming. Uh, what happened? Back in our day, we used to put in NHL hits 2002 and just fucking play the game, you know? Yeah, I I agree. And you would get games on launch day, and they just they just like worked. Like there was no big yeah. patch because it wasn't an option. Right. I think again, like I've said this before, so I'm not gonna like get up on a soapbox and because I know I'm preaching to the choir because I know everyone feels this way. Mm-hmm. But like, I just don't think you should be releasing broken games and then relying on day one updates. Like it just shouldn't be an option. And I know internet reliability has gotten better, mm-hmm. so it lets devs do things like that. But I think it's just poor form. I think. You know, everyone knows that when you release garbage content, whether it be like, I have to crunch and get this paper turned in, like I'm doing an eight page paper that's due tonight at midnight and I just started at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that that paper is not going to be that good. So right. when you get your poopy grade, you shouldn't be like, oh my oh God, my God. Like, how dare they? And I know gaming is not the equivalent of making a video game is not the same. Like that's right. not a equivalent, you know, comparison. I know it's a lot longer than just, a simple three or four hour grind. Like don't, don't like take it as me right, comparing as gospel. spending four hours on a paper versus a video game. I know there's a lot of other moving parts that go into it, mm-hmm. but whenever you just are willing to release something crappy and just throw it out there and rely on updates, um, you know, call of duty did that. Trust me. I've played call of duty recently and it's actually, it's actually kind of an enjoyable experience now Mm-hmm. But you released the game how many months ago and just like February and January, it's playable. Like, right. That's not, that's not a good, that's not good for anybody involved. The only thing that's keeping your game alive besides like the, the people that enjoy to like camp with shotguns or rush around with shotguns and camp with claymores are the people that are playing it competitively, which like, thank God for the esports side of it because they're driving that market so far up. 
And I think Halo will do that now that the esports engine has taken over running the Halo events. I think the new Halo World Championship with Infinite mm-hmm. is going to do that for us. But just it like the cloud gaming, the internet, like all this kind of stuff makes me scared as a consumer because it's concerning. It's concerning that people will allow poor form games to get released because they're going to rely on software. Like it's all scary. And I just hope like none of this comes to fruition because us all as gamers, it's, it's really just going to hurt us. And I, I just don't want it to be that way. Agreed. Totally agree, man. I, 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 at the end of the day, it's going to give developers a bad rap because they may be working to bust their ass as hard hard as they can, because we talk about, Hey, we don't want it. We don't want crunch and this and that that's bad, but publishers sometimes force dates on people that you have to hit it no matter what we need this well, on there has to be a, a an end date at some point right right like right 100 pushing it back like the 007 movie i know we don't talk about movies on here and maybe someday that'd be a podcast we might dive into because it would be fun to talk about but mm-hmm. they're pushing back 007 for i'm sure a lot of reasons uh-huh. and whatever the reasons are we can believe them but like pushing a date back from march or april to november now you get to november and you're like well we're gonna push it back again then people are gonna be like now wait a minute right i was completely cool with the first one but there is gonna be that day that comes and it's like the death knell like it come hell high water whatever the hell happens like if a meteor strikes earth you have to release this game like i don't care what happens if the apocalypse happens this is the date right games are have hard dates like that especially when they're being funded by like Microsoft, you know, 343 might have hard dates, but at the end of the day, Microsoft's learned their lesson and all these these other developers had to, or companies had to have learned their lessons and realized like when you release poop games, like it does nothing for anybody. Nobody buys it. Nobody wants to buy it. They're returning it. Nobody's getting paid for the work. You're out a ton of money and nobody buys it later because they don't trust you. Right. That, you know, and brand trust is a huge thing. And we've talked about that at length on, on our pod, but it's it's definitely concerning as a gamer and it's not all doom and gloom i know sometimes you know whenever you listen to podcasts like that it can definitely sound like we are being doom and gloom like there is no better thing like we're screwed that's not what we're trying to say i think it's a we both are very concerned and we just want everyone's enjoyment of video games to stay the same and we don't want to lose out on experiences because of it Mm -hmm. no definitely hundred percent my man i totally agree it's it's just, it's such a complicated ball of wax and the cloud gaming stuff's only going to just make it even more complicated, but it's mm-hmm. exciting, but it's exciting, exciting, but scary. Just as somebody like both of us, we've been gaming for so long now for the vast majority of our life that it's, yep. you know, it one way and I'm all for, I'm all for progressiveness with making things, trying to do things that may work better, may, you know, change some things. I'm all for that and trying new things, but I just am afraid of annexing certain people uh, in cer- or certain consumer bases. So it'll be interesting. I'm curious to see how it goes. But, Mike, I think that's going to do it for our show this week. Why don't you tell us, birthday boy, where people can find you. One, to wish you a happy birthday. Go out there and wish Mike a happy birthday. Like I said, it's going to be a couple days late, but it still doesn't matter. Go show him some sweet, nasty love. Tell him happy birthday, you know? And then you could also tell him all about what you guys are playing, yada, yada, talk about playing some games with them, whatever. Mike, where can people do that on the internet with you? Absolutely. So basically, like Travis said, it's I waited till the very end to plug this because it's not about me, even though it's my birthday. Uh, the <laughs> show's about the two of us. Plug your shit, you guys. 
But no, uh, this is not really a big plug for my own stuff. This is just a plug in general as a human being. Um, you know, the not to be sensational or anything, but the, you know, the the health, um, the health scare with the coronavirus, everything of that nature, um, mental health, everything. Um, recently, uh, I've dealt with some stuff mental health wise, gone on some medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Travis, uh, you know, we, we all have dealt with demons and I don't want to share anyone's information or anything of that nature, but I have cousins, I have my brother, like we all go through mm-hmm. personal battles, mental health wise. So for my birthday, all I would like is for people to be a little bit more understanding for mental issues, whether it be anxiety, um, you know, depression, all those types, any type of mental disorder, attention deficit, things of that nature. Um, I just, I just wish people in the gaming world, especially because when people talk about uh, Adderall use or abusing of uh, drugs of that nature for, um, you know, performance, I think that there's a stigma that comes around with using the use of ADD pills or ADHD medicine that for the users that need it, it, it's really hurtful to see people throw around and, and make fun of people. And, and addiction's a real thing. So not yeah. only are people using these drugs to get a better performance or perform better at tournaments, but you can also get addicted to it. So I just want you to think about anybody that you've ever met that has an addiction, whether it be to alcoholism, anything of that nature, um, mental health, uh, whether it be anxiety, taking pills, uh, to cope, things of that nature, um, or natural medicine, whether it be, um, you know, marijuana or other types of natural medicine, even just going out and seeing the sun sometimes when you're depressed can be a better alternative than pills. So I, I just want you, everyone, to be aware that mental health is a real thing. And, you know, with the coronavirus, I just want everyone to be healthy. I want everybody to be washing their hands. I don't want anyone to be scared because this is a time that as humans, not even as Americans or Canadians or, you know, United Kingdomers or uh, England, you know, whatever they, you know, whatever they call themselves or Australians, like with their wildfires, like this isn't a time where we need to be nationalists and be proud of our nationality. Like by, by all means, be proud of where you're from and, and what you did to get to where you are. But we just need to be global citizens right now and just realize that people in China can't really help um, mm-hmm. what has happened. So I just want everyone to, you know, be aware that discrimination, whether it be mental health, uh, that's basically my big platform or, you know, racial um, issues with, you know, Chinese, you know, the Chinese spread of the coronavirus. Like, I just want everyone to love everyone, uh, try to be not judgmental on people because there's people dying from these sicknesses every day. Uh, they're real things. I just want us to be cognizant that making memes and edgy memes can be cool and can get you clout, but being a clout farmer on the internet isn't it, Chief. There's a lot better things you can do with your life. And I hope you know that, you know, we all, everyone just needs to love everyone and just support everyone because everyone's going through things. And, you know, sometimes you just need help and there's, there's always help available. So if you need that, please reach out to me at uh, T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R on Twitter, MP underscore Toy Soldier on Twitch. I know I can be edgy. I know I can, you know, have a, a, a harsh sense of humor but it's also my way of coping with certain issues that I have. I can just make jokes about it because if I can't make jokes about it, it's, it's too real to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just hope that everyone just loves everyone. Everyone has a great week. Uh, Everyone has a great springtime's right around the corner. So keep your head up. Seasonal depression's real. Uh, You know, we're almost out of this tunnel, especially in the Northeast. Uh, Just keep your head up because the flowers are going to come up soon. And 
I just hope, uh, you know, you can just find your own happiness. Absolutely. That was absolutely beautiful, my friend. I love you. You're one of my best friends. You're a hardworking individual. And, you know, that's – I can't say anything else, man. That was absolutely beautiful, and I totally agree. Um, so I, I I can't even roll off of that. I'm just going to roll <laughs> exactly what he said. Take that. I can't say it any better, man. Um, I'm just going to roll into my thing. <laughs> um, yep. Just tell us where you can that, find us then, my exa- dude. Exactly. Um, you could – as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus, on most internet platforms, including Twitter, at Travelus underscore, that's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time over on twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, like Halo CE, now that it's on, the anniversary edition oh, yeah. on MCC, baby, on PC, or Xbox Live in general, you can find me over on Xbox Live at just regular Travelus, that's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been... Another episode, the newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox and Xbox Game Pass, including news, rumors, and conversations around them. Damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get a podcast at and follow us on Twitter at GP. GC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games, like our dope giveaways like our Doom Eternal giveaway. You have one week left. Less than one week by the time this goes. Less than one week. By next Thursday, you gotta get, make sure you're in entered. There's no excuse. The link, look down below. It's in the description. Just fucking enter. <laughs> with that being said, Mike, that's gonna be our show for this week. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, sharing, and being part of this growing community. Go out there and play some video games, and we will see you next week.